And at the end of it, he said to me, you are a salesperson. This is all about storytelling. And I will never forget that because I realized that to sell anything or to do anything, it's all about telling your story. And stories are what we all love to hear. What fuels a multi-passionate life? I'm Jessica Wan, and in this podcast, I interview people who straddle two completely different worlds. I call them ampersands, and we are collectively designing the Ampersand Manifesto. I'm excited to be speaking with Vivian Strauss, writer, performer, and small farm advocate. Vivian is known for her one-woman shows, exposing her interesting life choices. She's worked in New York City, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. She was part of the New York sketch comedy group Bob and has had roles on film and TV with directors such as Francis Coppola and Oliver Stone. You might have seen her in films like Peggy Sue Got Married, plus she's acted in numerous plays and commercials. She wrote and performed the solo shows entitled After I'm Dead, You'll Have to Feed Everyone and EIEI Oi in Bed with the Farmer's Daughter. She's also served as VP of Marketing for Strauss Family Creamery, led tours at Cowgirl Creamery, created the California Cheese Trail, and currently manages Strauss Home Ranch, a vacation rental and wedding venue in Marshall, California. Vivian, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. You grew up on a dairy ranch, the daughter of Jewish immigrants who fled Nazi Europe in the 1930s and 40s. When you were a child, what did you envision adult life and specifically working life to look like for you? I think the biggest thing for me was to go find a sidewalk. (laughs) I really didn't want to live on a farm where there were hills and I couldn't bicycle and there was gravel and dirt. And I just thought, oh gosh, to be in a city would be so great. That's as far as I got. (laughs) And did that propel you to cities like New York and Los Angeles? Well, you know, I started out by thinking, well, I'm a small town girl, so let me go to a small school in college. So I went to Lewis and Clark in Portland And I thought, okay, great. This is somewhere in the middle. It was about 2,000 students and wasn't too big to be intimidating. And um, from there, I found my desire to be an actress. And from there, I went from bigger to bigger cities until I came back to being in a small town again. Your latest show is described as a daughter's love letter to her immigrant mother. You performed it 17 times to a sold-out audience, and you'll be taking it to the New York City United Solo Fest this fall. What do you hope people take away from this show? I think we're always lucky if we have a mother that we connect with. I adored my mother, but I think her story is really about a woman who struggled and had a lot of things that happened to her in her life and became an activist. So she took what she was given and said, you know what, I'm going to make change in this world. And, and that's what she did. And, and it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's about our relationship and, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's about caring for a woman who's dying while also telling her story. What have people told you after your show, things that stuck with them about either their own mothers or the journey to activism? I think everyone seemed to have a different takeaway from the show, which was kind of interesting. Some people connected 
to being immigrants and to being Jewish and understanding what that life was like to come to America where there was anti-Semitism. I think others related to caring for somebody they loved that was dying. And some were just incredibly excited to hear about how farmland was protected in our area by my mother and the journey that she went through to make that happen. Your mother emerged as one of West Marin's most iconic environmental pioneers. Tell us a little bit more about her work and how does this work continue on? And also, what can people do to continue to support small farms? The thing that my mother taught me, and I think her message is really, if you really want something to happen, even one individual can make things happen. You just have to have a passion. And I think that's true with anything you want to do. If you really want to do something, just go do it. Don't be afraid. Jump in, work hard, and you can get there. As far as ranches continuing, I think it's really important to buy local products that helps with the farming. I think that's a big part of it. So really supporting your local farms and understanding the products that you're buying. Exactly. And farmers work really hard. And I think people have, sometimes they have misunderstandings. They think, oh, they have all this land. They must be rich. But farmers are not rich. They actually barely get by. and they are so passionate about the land and, and protecting it and creating biodiversity and protecting their streams and caring for their animals or whatever it is that they do. I think there's an incredible passion and depth of knowledge that farmers have for our land that is pretty special. Your work centers around the one woman show. And in my own experience, the act of performing on stage feels really different from all that behind-the-scenes work and rehearsal. And you write your own shows. How does it feel for you to be working on the writing piece and the behind-the-scenes piece? And how does that feel versus being on stage performing? I have to say that writing is a struggle for me. I, it takes me a long time to write something. And I write only based on my own experience. So I write my own stories. And usually what happens is something weird happens and I write it down like a diary entry. And then I turn that into a scene. And eventually I have a bunch of scenes. And then I think, well, what is what am I trying to say? And that is the hardest struggle for me to get a first draft. Once I have a first draft, then I can talk to other people about making sure it's shaped correctly. But once I'm on stage and creating the whole idea of it, that's a whole lot of fun from creating weird costumes to a set to music. And then I absolutely love communicating with the audience. It's just a blast. And I do absolutely love doing comedy over tragedy. It's just much more fun. I like hearing the laughs. I like just the back and forth with the audience. Your writing process is interesting. I know some writers go in and think about the arc first, but it sounds like you actually collect the scenes and then figure out what that arc is about, which makes me think that the comedy is maybe more reflective of you as a person. Would you say that you approach life kind of in a comedy way? Yeah, I think life is fun. And, you know, I think even tragedy can be fun. It's terrible to say that, but it's true. And I think all sorts of strange things happen. I I used to travel a lot just so I could have adventures and something strange would happen to me. You know, I, not that I would put myself in a dangerous situation, but that somehow once you get yourself out of your comfort zone, things happen. And 
that's the joy of life. As an actor, you've worked in films, TV, on stage, and in commercials. I imagine that the solo live show format can feel really freeing, but it's also a lot of pressure because the show rides on you. What has drawn you to this format? Control. <laughs> I, I have to say, you know, listen, I could, you know, have a tiny part in a movie where I say, would you like some coffee, sir? You know, and that's not exactly very fulfilling. Whereas, oh my gosh, I can do whatever I want and create whatever I want. And if nobody likes it, well, it's kind of disappointing. But the truth is I can keep changing it. And I do. I change things every day. Every time I perform something, I change something else because something isn't working. And it's so creative to be able to move and shape something. For instance, I'm now that I'm going to New York with this show, I'm thinking, oh, I have this cow costume. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it different. And I've got all these ideas. So I've got paint and cardboard and all sorts of stuff all over the place trying to figure out what's next. Cows. This is the trailer for Vivian's show. After I'm dead, you'll have to feed everyone. And wherever we go, it's a fabulous show. Look, Mom and I have a typical mother-daughter relationship. I tell her everything. I ask her nothing. Why don't you get a plot at the Jewish cemetery in Petaluma? Yes, Bill, I know. Russian Jews, we have nothing in common. on our farm, we would dump them in the creek over the hill underneath the willow trees. It was kind of like our cow cemetery. At some point, the government made us stop doing that. Yes, the cow character reappears and is almost this voice of reason throughout your show. And I'm wondering, you know, as a person who obviously grew up around a lot of cows. How do you think about cows? How do you think about cows and art? I have to say, I absolutely love cows. I, I love teenage cows because they haven't had babies yet. And so they're still wild and curious and they become a little more sedentary once they've had a calf. And so they all have different personalities. I, I, I know some people have dogs or cats or whatever. This was my animal that I had around me. And I don't think people understand them. And so I like to hang out with them and talk to them. And some will connect with me and some will be absolutely not interested in connecting with me at all and will walk away. But it's a lot of fun. And I find that there's a lot of parallels to my life or to life in general, if you try and match up the personality of a cow with some of the incidents that happen in my life or in other people's lives. So that's my little signature. That's my signature. Do you name your cows or what is that relationship like over their lifetime? Well, I would love to tell you it's a lovely relationship, but the truth is that right now we are renting the pasture on our farm. So they are not our cows. And these cows at the moment do not have names. They have numbers, <laughs> but you know, I recognize them by their numbers and their spots and their personality. And, and they usually come when they're about seven months old and they're gone by the time they're like two, a little over two, because they go off to be impregnated. So they don't stay on our place. So it's a little bit, it's bittersweet. I create a relationship and then they're gone. I try and take it for what it is. 
And as cow teenagers, I guess that would kind of be like their high school years. Exactly. They're wild. They don't think very well. And they're just sort of like enjoying life without feeling any consequence. And they love to eat. So they eat a lot. (laughs) Talking about eating and cows, let's talk about cheese. How did the California Cheese Trail come to be? You know, I was asked to be on a board of an economic commission and as the agricultural rep, and I was looking for a project. And I was talking to my friend Sue Conley from Cowgirl Creamery, and she said, you know, we need a cheese map. And at this point, we had very few cheesemakers that were open and very few cheesemakers. So I started in Sonoma and Marin County. And then the first map I put out, one cheesemaker came to me and said their sales went up 25% in two months because of the map. And I thought, wow. And so I started realizing that it was very helpful for cheesemakers. And soon all the other California cheesemakers were coming to me and saying, please, please, can you expand it? And so now I redo it every year and it has truly brought a lot of business to cheesemakers. And for me, that's a way of saving small farms because most of the cheesemakers who were helped by this are small farmers as well. You've worn many hats in your career, including growing Strauss Family Creamery by tremendous amounts. What did you learn in your time as a business person that you relate to other parts of your life? I think the biggest thing I learned was one day I went my first sales call to Lucky's Supermarket in Los Angeles. And I was the only one who didn't wear a suit because I don't own one. (laughs) And I looked kind of, you know, not quite proper. I didn't have a slick sales sheet. And I went in to see this old man and, and I had 10 minutes. That's all you got. And he asked me, to tell me about the product. And so I started talking about our farm and how come it was so important that the milk would sell. And at the end of it, he said to me, you are a salesperson. This is all about storytelling. And I will never forget that because I realized that to sell anything or to do anything, it's all about telling your story. And stories are what we all love to hear. And so I tell stories. Let's take a moment to reflect on this question. What are the stories that you want to tell? Outside of hosting this podcast, I partner with leaders in the workplace as they rise up. Perhaps you've gotten a promotion, landed a new role, or taken on a lot more responsibility, and you need a trusted sounding board to support you as you support your team. I coach individuals and leadership teams to rise to the challenge with my ampersand blend of analytical and creative. If any of this intrigues you, reach out to me at jessicawan.com. Now back to the show. What do you think ties together all the different facets of what you do? I think, you know, we are a combination of all the things that we have been given in life. I had immigrant parents who fled Hitler, so that had an impact on me. I grew up on a farm, that had an impact on me. And I I actually, I started out doing acting in 4-H when I was a kid, but theater is where I found my happiness. And so I think I said, okay, well, how do I combine all these? And that's basically what I've done. 
I found the three facets of my life and said, okay, how do we put them together? You continue to find ways to to weave them and combine them. I do try. (laughs) You saved your family farm. Uh, You completely refurbished the home, the barns, the fields, pivoting first to a vacation rental and then a wedding venue. What does it mean to you to have your family ranch live on in this new capacity? I think for me, I mean, I love meeting all the people that come to our ranch. I think it's a way for us to share it. To me, also, the most important facet of the ranch is the farming itself. So for me, that is the most important thing. We do all of this in order to save the farm and to protect the land and to do as much as we can. I'm I'm always working on doing more planting, creating biodiversity, fencing off creeks, and trying to do things that are good for the land itself. So it's meant a lot. I think my parents would be shocked how beautiful it is now. And I mean, it was always a beautiful place, but we've been able to keep all the buildings intact, which is really great. And I get to work with my brother and I have a blast. What does it feel like to return home? You went out to all those places that have sidewalks and you lived that life and now you're back. Well, I found a way to combine them because I actually live in Petaluma and then go to the ranch. I do have a sidewalk. <laughs> so I got my sidewalk <laughs> and I can have the ranch. So that's how I figured it out, sort of live in a town that's close by without living on the ranch itself. You know, I loved living in all those cities and I do love visiting them, but I think I am still a farm girl. And coming home was a big decision. You know, I left Los Angeles knowing that I was sort of giving up on the big dream of the Hollywood dream. Yet at the same time, I also realized that it was up to me to create my acting life and for me to, that I had to continue writing. So that if I wanted to create a world for me to do what I wanted to do, I have to do it myself. And that's what I've done. And no one in the world can tell these stories. We all have our stories. You share a lot of vulnerability in your shows. What does that bring out from the audience? I think it always helps to know that other people are going through things that you're going through, whether it be the death of somebody that you love and caring for them, because I know now a lot of people who are doing that, or my earlier show where I ended up having a man who spoke no English, who I went on one date with, who came for dinner and didn't leave for three years, finding yourself in a relationship you really don't want to be in and figuring out how to get out of it. I mean, it was a comic, ridiculous thing of three years. I made a show out of it. And I think we all realize we make bad choices. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to see somebody making those bad choices too. Yeah, it provides empathy, I think, for people. What advice do you have for people who are pursuing or thinking of pursuing their own ampersand life? To be an artist, you can't just be an artist. I might be wrong about this because I think there are people who obviously do that. But I think you have to have other parts of your life that you draw from in order to be an artist. So sometimes having another job or having something else in your life helps you to create the art that you want to create. And for me, I need, I can't just be an artist without having experiences. So that means it could be anything. It could be traveling. It could be getting out and just meeting people or doing classes or having another job, but whatever it is, that's what gives me the material to write and to perform and, and the stories to tell. So you need to have both. Yeah. It sounds like the art itself cannot really be the subject matter. Through these interviews, we are co-creating the Ampersand Manifesto, 
Principles for Leading a Multi-Passionate Life. What do you think should be included in the manifesto? Joy. Do things because you love them. Have fun. Don't be afraid. And if you're afraid, get over it and just move on. Because life is short. And I, I think you would hate to be on your deathbed and not say, I didn't do what I wanted to do. So find your way through all of it, doing whatever it is you need to do to, to, to do it all. Because why not? Vivian, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. Folks, you can learn more about Vivian at vivianstrauss.com, the Strauss Home Ranch at straussehomeranch.com, and the California Cheese Trail at cheesetrail.org. And we will link to these in the show notes. If you liked this show, hit like, subscribe, and please share with your friends and fellow ampersands. And if you're really enjoying our show and you haven't left a review yet, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can find out about the show. I had a chance to listen back on my interview with Vivian, and I wanted to share a few key takeaways. One, I loved Vivian's anecdote about being a great salesperson because she knew how to tell a story. It's a powerful reminder that we all have stories to tell, stories that couldn't be told by anyone else. Vivian's work has emerged from what's made an impact on her. Growing up on a farm, her Jewish immigrant background, her passion for acting, her love of cows. And she keeps asking herself this question, how do I combine all these different parts of my life? Two, artists need lives outside of art to make art. This could look like a day job, traveling, family, or actively putting yourself in new, interesting situations. I think this idea is at the core of being an ampersand. With two or more worlds, you develop so much subject matter breadth and can draw on different perspectives to apply to what's going on in your life. Three, we're releasing this episode about a week after Mother's Day, and I am so touched by the love and devotion that Vivian has for her mother. Like Vivian, I also had a mother that I adore, and I recognize just how fortunate I was to have a mom who was also my best friend. Listening to Vivian talk about her mom reminded me how important it is to me to keep my mom's stories alive too, so that her spirit lives on. Go see art. It's fun. See shows. Go to exhibits. Go to a concert. I don't know. Just have fun, you know, and live life to the fullest. <laughs>